Guys, it's almost May, and that means graduations, job interviews, and dressing for work. That's why we love the folks at Liberty Shirt Co. Not only do they make the coziest, warmest, and softest flannels we love to wear, but they have over 400 fabrics for you to design your one-of-a-kind shirt for every occasion, like white shirts for job interviews to the coolest linen for summer clubbing down the shore. And what's really awesome about these guys is that they make every shirt in New Jersey. Head over to LibertyShirtCo.com and save every time you use the promo code 3 Pete. Welcome back to another episode of the 3 Pete Podcast. This is episode 8 of our third season, which is crazy to say, but it's been, it's been a great journey so far this season. We got another great episode for you today, folks. But first, I'm your host, Alex Castle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. Stephen Bonazzo. Josh Romowitz. Great show we got lined up for you today. We're going to be talking some puck. We're going to be reviewing the Lake Tahoe games over the weekend. We're going to be talking about baseball. We're going to be talking about this whole scandal with Panarin. But first, got to quickly talk about Tiger Woods. For those of you who don't know, one of the arguably one of the greatest golfers in the game suffered a very tragic car accident two days ago, shattering his ankle, fracturing his leg. It did not look pretty. The car, the car pictures was not a pretty sight. Definitely gave some people some flashbacks of what they experienced with Kobe. But fortunately, Tiger went into surgery. He came out. He's feeling good. He's recovering now. We hope he gets, uh, continues to get the help that he needs, continues to recover. And the most beautiful thing that came out of the whole thing was the support that he received from the golf community, golfers, and athletes, too. So despite what Tigers dealt with his career off the course, it was very nice to see people come around and support him. Tiger, all of us here from the 3P podcast wish you a speedy and successful recovery, and we hope to see you doing your thing soon. Now on to Puck, Lake Tahoe games this weekend. What a beautiful sight it was to watch. Beautiful scene. Loved watching some outdoor hockey, and we had some great matchups too. We had the Golden Knights taking on the Avalanche. We had the Brewers and the Flyers. It was a great game. Game one, the Avalanche came out winning three to two. And in the second game, well, Bruins dominated that one, scoring seven goals, which we'll get into. Josh, you're a big hockey guy. Obviously, your Rangers were not being well represented this weekend, not last weekend, not playing. But what did you see from these games that, as a fan, that really – really took you back? Did you see anything that was impressive, wasn't impressive? What was your ultimate takeaway? I mean, so I thought it was well done by the league, managed to run an outdoor game, a tradition which has become a tradition in hockey, uh, outdoor games, and there are no fans, which was weird to say. It was cool watching the fans come in canoes and watching the game that way, hoping like kind of like in baseball when you're out in San Francisco – out in a canoe hoping for a home run ball those fans in canoes were hoping for a puck which is didn't happen but uh it was still cool to see it uh like you said the scenery was so beautiful being played in the mountains um one thing that was definitely a negative and it caused a lot of uh discussion and postponements and delays was uh the ice um because of the poor uh ice that they played on cause for uh, concern for the players and the referees and everyone involved. They had to delay uh, both games several hours. They ended up playing the first one, the Avalanche and the Golden Knights. Uh, They delayed that until midnight Eastern time. So that was definitely a concern, but 
it was well done by the league all in all. I agree. Very positive feedback overall. I think especially with COVID and everything, you know, having events like this makes it difficult, but aside from the issues with the ice, I feel like the fact that it was outdoors, less concerns were raised and it was in a beautiful state too. Steve, care to elaborate? What did you think of the game? You know, I know you're not a, a Bruins fan, but hey, Pasternak getting a hat trick, the Bruins putting up four in the second period, that's huge. They're, they're really making a case for themselves, this Bruins unit. Well, it's funny because um, when watching the first game between the Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, me and my roommates were talking about it, and we, we heard that it was supposed to be expect some high scoring because of the sun and um, being outside with the shadows and the lighting. It was tough. I mean, you saw the players, the hockey players, wearing eye black. When did they? They never wear eye black because they're always playing indoors. So, you know, they had some of the goalies had like sunglasses on. So it was funny to see. So when the first game wasn't that high scoring, we were all kind of surprised. But then when we watched the Bruins put on seven goals against Carter Hart and the Flyers, and Carter Hart is a phenomenal goalie in this league. So for the Bruins to put on seven goals and Pasternak got a hat trick and um, I forgot which player in the Bruins, he scored his first NHL goal. So congratulations to him. But it was, it was a fun, fun event, fun uh, two days to watch. Um, I was a little upset that the ice in the um, earlier part of the day was cracking. And like Josh said, it was a little unsafe because I think it was nicer to watch during the day or early mid afternoon, because you can actually see the mountains and the trees and the snow on the outside. Like at night, it was still cool, but you couldn't really see all the nice views and um, the setting that Lake Tahoe had to offer. So, I mean, it was an awesome spot, cool spot. And if they want to go back there, I think it'd be a tremendous idea again. Just they got to really make sure to work out with the timing of everything and making sure that the ice and everything that they need to put together is good. And I don't think they had a problem with the ice until that day of that Saturday, because they just got a snowfall like the night before or the day before. And then the sun was a lot more powerful than they thought. So it was a lot of stuff that they didn't anticipate that for next time they probably will. Well, I mean, I was glad. And plus we didn't get a winter classic this year. So it was good to see an outdoor hockey game because a lot of kids, they love pond hockey, and you know, hockey fans just love the pond hockey. So it was a natural setting for you know, a beautiful game. Something that you just brought up, which I didn't even think about when we were talking about this, but you're right. The Winter Classic, hockey fans love it. Pond hockey, a lot of people grow up on it. That's how a lot of people get into a sport. And the fact that the NHL provided this weekend, it gave people their fix. And, and I think that that's great that they did that. I have one more announcement too. You know, it's on the topic of hockey. You know, I decided to, you know, like I said I was supporting the Sabres and stuff like that. But listen, I, I decided to go all Chicago. So I'm all Blackhawks. Now, uh, I wanted to break the news on the podcast. Um, Big Chicago guy over here, folks. Yeah. And listen, it's not like I'm bandwagon. I've always kind of liked the Blackhawks. Obviously, when I was getting into hockey, they were winning and Patty Kane and Taze and them. And obviously, I like the Bears and the Bulls. So I was already kind of Chicago, so I figured it was the right fit. And from now on, if I talk hockey, it's going to be Blackhawks. So go Blackhawks. Very disappointing to hear, Steve. Hey, listen. You know, obviously, the Rangers are in this area. So 
and my brother and you are Rangers fans in Castle. So, I mean, listen, I, it's not like I don't like them, but, you know, the Blackhawks, they're my team now. I got to support the red and black. So what does that mean for Mr. Eichel? Oh, listen, I still love Eichel. I still respect him as a player. I still think he's one of the best players in this league. He's still my favorite. But, and plus, I think he might get traded at some point and moved. I don't think he's going to finish his career in Buffalo. So, you know what? They, the Sabres just didn't allow me to enjoy hockey as much as I can. The Blackhawks, on the other hand, are a marquee franchise. They've won multiple Stanley Cups. They got some great talent, and they're, they're the perfect fit for me. So wanted to break the news. Thank you. So Steve's taking his talents to uh, Chi-Town, and he wants Eichel to follow him. That would be awesome. It's official, folks. You, hear it first. you heard it here first. We now have our full Chicago analyst on the 3P podcast, Blackhawks, Bulls, Bears. You need it, Mr. Bonazzo. Still the Yankees, though. The Yankees will not leave. But, oh, yeah. but with the puck, I'm, I now entered Chicago. So the United Center has got my heart, and so does Soldier Field. Wrigley Field, looking real bright. Not quite. It's Yankee Stadium that look, that's looking real bright, but I love it, Steve. I can't wait to hear more about the Blackhawks in the future, but we talked about the Rangers earlier. They're, they're dealing with a little issue right now. Artemi Panarin, their star winger, he's, he's going through a scandal right now. For those of you who haven't heard, apparently it was in 2011, 18-year-old Panarin loses a tough game, goes to a bar, and punches a girl. Now, when this story first dropped, I didn't really know what to believe with it. I mean, when these assault incidents come out with athletes, you, people, I feel like, do, do assume that it's true and do believe it. But what I really liked about this story was right from the beginning, the Rangers community backed Panarin. And I think that has to do with the political aspect of this story. But I'm not going to take the time to go over it. Josh, you're the, you're the real big Rangers fan here. I know this hit you in multiple ways. First, I want you to tell me how you feel about it personally, what you believe, what you don't believe, and then has the Rangers organization done a good job handling this whole thing? Because what was he, a top top draft pick, top two draft pick? And he's a young guy. And, and you know, the Rangers, they're a big market team, and especially with what's going on this season, this is huge for them to have now. So I want to hear what your thoughts on it are. So he was not a Rangers pick. He actually was a Chicago Blackhawk. And then I think he went to Columbus and then he came to the Rangers as a marquee free agent signing, but he's still young. So he is our franchise that's built around him. Um, so I'm going to go backwards uh, at all your questions, how the Rangers handled this. I think like you mentioned, they did an excellent job releasing their statement where it was very professional but still touched on the points of feeling that this was a very political thing that happened and it was incorrect of what was stated and all Ranger fans, all team, all his teammates, coaching staff, everyone, his family, everyone is upset with this. He's taken a leave of, of absence. He's staying in his home in Connecticut. And I, I feel terrible for him because the way this was brought out, it was a story that came out in Russia first as an attack on Panarin. And it was a month after he was vocal about the whole Putin situation. He was very anti-Putin and wanted the other candidate to be president. Um, and coincidentally, a month later, this attack comes out on Panarin. Granted, it was from 
someone who is very pro Putin, a former coach of his that, and they didn't get along. It wasn't even the girl, the girl hasn't even been mentioned at all during this investigation. And it's a lot of confusion, a lot of nonsense. And a time like this, you just got to feel for his family that are back home in Russia. Like, what are they dealing, dealing with? How are they handling this? What pressure harassment are they getting on a constant basis? So as Ranger fans, it's a very tough time, but we're doing a very good job backing up Panarin and being there for him because it's a very tough time for him. And there's a lot of anger going on. There is. And it's very interesting to see how much politics plays its role in sports. When this story came out and when I was really thinking about it, I don't know if you guys felt this way, but this reminded me of the incident with Ennis Cantor. You know, when he went a couple of years ago, he was talking bad about the Turkish government and they were talking about arresting his father and it was, and he was getting threatened and it was a huge thing. And it's just funny to see what, you know, not funny, but like, it's, it's very interesting to see, you know, how these international players, you know, what they do here and how they're seen in this country. And then because they're in this country and they can speak freely it affects home. So just two similar stories, but Steve, I want to hear what your thoughts on it. I, obviously, you know, we now know that you're the Blackhawks guy, but th this is still a pretty big sports story, I think all around. So what's on the top of your head with this? Well, like you said, regardless of what team I root for, like, I mean, Panarin is a big time player in the NHL. You know, he signed that huge contract with the Rangers um, a year ago, had a phenomenal first season with them. And, you know, this season, again, off to a pretty good start. I mean, the team's been a little shaky, but having a guy like that on your team is so big. And then when he's gone, that's a huge loss. And the thing that is so bad about this situation is it's not like he's injured and it's like, all right, you know, it is what it is. I mean, this is a tough tough situation he's dealing with this is not just all right I got to rehab my leg or my arm or shoulder or I took a puck to the face and I just got to let the stitches heal whatever like this is a really serious situation that can have serious um, implications on his future his career and his family and his safety um, and it's so unfortunate that some of these players um, they don't have the freedom of speech that they might have here in the United States that they can't really speak their mind without um, getting in trouble or having, like you were saying with Ennis Kaner, threats or with Panarin, we see uh, most people considering a fake made up story um, to ruin his career and pretty much his life for speaking out against Putin, who's the leader of Russia. So, I mean, I think just anyone should be able to say anything and have their own opinions, but in a lot of countries, that's just not the case. So it really is just an unfortunate um, situation. I hope, I mean, because Panarin is a class act guy. He, you know, he's stand-up guy. He hasn't done anything bad. Um, it's not like he's been in, you know, rumored for multiple 
like charges for anything or been in trouble for anything. I mean, the guy just does his job. He does his job really well. And he's really interactive with the fans. He's really nice towards the fans. I mean, he's just, you know, he's got the nickname Breadman. Like, he's a really likable guy. So for the, to see the situation bear down on him, I feel, you know, super, I feel really bad for him. And I hope that the situation clears up and he can get back to what he loves doing, and that's playing hockey for the New York Rangers. Yeah, and I just want to jump on. There's multiple angles that I could take with this. Um, the first is that everyone around the league was touched by this and I'm seeing Bruin fans, Flyer fans, people out West commenting on this and backing Panarin because they feel that he is in it. He didn't do anything and this is clearly an attack on him. So it's cool seeing the league unite uh, by that. And like you said, Castle, it's similar to the Ennis Cantor situation. It's different, but in, in a sense, it is similar to that. Um, and another thing is, look at who, I mean, you guys may not know, but the line that Panarin plays on is the second line, which means he plays with Lafreniere and Capocacco on the other side. Those are the Rangers' second overall pick last year and the first overall pick this year. And Alexi Lafreniere in Panarin's last game scored his second goal of the year, and Capocacco has been putting up points recently because of Panarin. And it's very impressive to see that on that the impact he's had on those guys. And it's definitely going to be missed in the locker rooms and on the ice. And to um, add to that point, I think this, this situation with Panarin losing one of their leaders and arguably the best player on the team, it, it really could and I think will bring the Rangers team even closer together. Um, they want to be able to support Panarin, who has given his body and um, support to the team. And I think, uh, you know, they, all these guys are going to come together and try to win games and make sure that Panarin's good, but that also everyone else is good. And, they, you know, they want to see this situation resolve itself and that – they keep winning games and being a successful franchise. I think at the end of the day, like both of you pointed out, there's a lot of different angles to this. It'll be a real test all around, both for Panarin and the organization to continue to power through this. I'm impressed with how everyone has handled it, like you guys have pointed out. And I, and I, hope, and I hope that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I hope to see Panarin back on the ice one day doing his thing for the Rangers. And I hope the Rangers continue to do well without them and not really have this totally affect them. I mean, look, you know, it's definitely something that they shouldn't totally, you know, avoid and say, ah, we're just going to move on and, you know, hope for the best. No, of course they're going to think about it. He's their teammate. But I think if they can kind of have it in the back of their mind while they're still doing their thing on the ice, I think that'll be good for them. We'll continue to, to follow the story break you guys with any more news that we get on it. And we hope that the Rangers continue to do their thing and hope for the best for Panarin. But now we got to switch baseball. We are back. It's spring training. I'm hyped. I know you boys are hyped. We, the Yankees, let, let's start off with the Yankees here. We're all Yankees fans. Yankees, yeah, not Steve uh, for long. Hey, hey, hey. I'm telling you, no one's going to switch my mind for the Yankees. 
they the Yankees were the very first team I ever liked. I got the love I have for the Yankees is just on like breakable and just I'm I'm always gonna be a Yankees fan through and through. The Yankees got my heart. And to be honest, if I had to rank my favorite teams, the Yankees are number one. Wow. Yes. So we so we're we're not gonna be expecting Steve on Wrigley Field anytime soon, which is very reassuring. Listen, if I move out to Chicago, cover Chicago sports, obviously, you know, the Cubs Wrigley Field is a you know very historic field and the Cubs now been a better franchise than they were, you know, ten years ago. But like I said, the Yankees they just they're I got so much love for them and it's a true love. It's a deep true love and I, I'm not gonna break up with them. I can't. Those those pinstripes, that's what draws you in, right? The pinstripes. The navy blue pinstripes, not the Cubs blue pinstripes, <laughs> but the Yankees navy, navy blue, blue pinstripes. Clarification. Yeah. So let's talk about the navy the boys in navy blue pinstripes. We've got some of the big names already reporting to batting practice. Frazier, LeMahieu. Very, very happy about LeMahieu. I know you guys will elaborate on that, but I think the Yankees giving him this new deal is what we needed. I think he's, he's a great bat for us. I think he does a great job in the infield. The bullpen's also looking sharp, too. I'm glad that we have Cole back. There's some questions with it. I, I'm not really too sure what, what the move with Tanaka is going to be. Maybe you guys know more about that. But we'll start with you, Steve. We got some of the big names reporting already to spring training, looking good. We've got we've got improvement in the bullpen. Where do we see the where do we see these boys ending up this season? Is Gardner still going to be with us? Is Tanaka going to be one of our top guys? What are we thinking here, Steve? Well, a couple of things. First, talking about looking good. How about my guy Judge? Huh? New teeth? Teeth. I. How could I forget that? Shout out to his dentist. You, you're the real MVP. Well, yeah, no, he's looking good. But listen, um, so Tanaka actually ended up signing in Japan, so he he will not be an option for us. Um, gotta say that uh, it's disappointing to hear, but it doesn't shock me. It's it seemed like it was it was going to come to that. Um, so I think yeah, Tanaka's already been. I think that whatever you know league in Japan he's been playing in. Might already had some games because he's been posting pictures of him pitching in a game in uniform. So, um, so I hope I wish him the best over there. But listen, uh, you know, and then the Yankees just recently, as of last week, signed Garner to a one-year deal worth like four million. But then there's like a player option for a second um, year. I think for that, because Aaron Boone made it clear that Clint Frazier earned his spot in left field to be the starting left fielder. So I think Garner, for anything, would be more a clubhouse presence, which I do not mind, and some speed on that. I mean, he still showed last – I mean, the guy's like 37 years old, and he still showed that he has some pretty – not some of the top speed in the league like he used to, but he still got some serious speed he can offer. And then, you know, for the rotation, we got Kluber. We traded for Jameson Tyon. Um, so listen, th- it wasn't any big I- – I guess our big move – was obviously re-signing DJ LeMahieu, which was a necessity. We needed to do that. We could not have let him go. One, he offers veteran presence. And two, his bat is just so different than every other bat in the lineup. He can hit for contact. Obviously, he's shown in his time in New York that he's got some pop, too. He can hit 20 home runs in a full 162-game season. But 
he can just place a ball anywhere in the field and get on base, whether it's a single, double. Not that guys like Judge Stanton can't do that, but Judge Stanton, Gary, not so much Judge, but especially Stanton and um, Gary Sanchez, it's almost like home run or bust, or even Luke Voigt. So to have a guy like LeMahieu back is just huge in his defensive presence. So outlook, I think they should be the favorites for the AL East. Um, I don't think the Orioles are obviously good yet. They have a lot of top prospects, but I don't think they're strong yet. The Red Sox, I mean, they traded away Benin- They traded away obviously Mookie Betts last year, won World Series of the Dodgers. Traded away Benintendi recently. Chris Hill's coming off Tommy John, so who knows how he'll be? So they don't look like, you know, they'll probably be competitive, but I don't think they'll be a threat. And then the Rays last year, reigning World Series, uh, or the America League, America, American League champions. Oh gosh, can't say that, but uh. They lost in the World Series to the Dodgers, but they traded away Snell. They lost some other positional players. So, again, I think there'll still be a threat, but nothing. I think the biggest threat to the Yankees in the AL East is the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, you got Bobachek, Kevon Biggio, Vlad Guerrero Jr. They signed George Springer. Uh, they made some moves pitching-wise. So I think they're the biggest threats. I still think the Yankees are going to win the AL East. I'm hoping. For the love of every Yankees fans, and for the love of baseball, the Yankees make it back to the World Series. But we saw that we come so close in the past couple of years, but we just don't have that. We're still missing one piece. Hopefully, the moves that Cashman made over the offseason can push us over the top, but I don't know. But I do see the Yankees going far in the playoffs, at least the ALCS, and possibly and hopefully the World Series. Yeah. I think the Blue Jays are definitely the biggest threat to the Yankees right now. Red Sox are just trash. Say with the Orioles, I'll just I'll leave it like that. They're not worth talking about. Um, I'm excited though, as a Yankee fan, to see the return of Luis Severino. Um, he was an arm that was desperately needed last year. I don't think he'll be ready for the start of the season. Is that correct? He'll be ready midseason because of Tommy John surgery. Like June, I think. Yeah, so he'll miss a few months, but he's an arm that we know what we'll get from him when he comes back. I doubt he'll be the same explosive, fiery guy, like lively arm, but his passion and his energy that he brings to Yankee Stadium that will have fans is insane. And he was someone who was our number one rotation guy who's pitched in the world, who's pitched in wild card games, playoff games when the Yankees were there. So before Cole, he's a, uh, he was our guy. So he'll be a good compliment to those two aces in Kluber and Cole. I think this year is going to be a very important year for Gary Sanchez. He obviously struggled last year. Couldn't get his, uh, couldn't get it going at all. Was benched during the playoffs. So I think this year we'll see a dedicated and passionate Gary Sanchez because he knows that, He's on a, I believe he's on a one-year deal. So this is his year to make it, make or break his his future with the Yankees. So I wouldn't be, be wouldn't be surprised if we saw the best Gary Sanchez, or as or at least close to rookie year Gary Sanchez this year in terms of offensive production. And our two 
big bats, we, we need to see them stay healthy because when they're on the field together, it's dangerous. And no pitching rotation can compete with the duo of Judge and Stanton when they're healthy. And then you add in Luke Voigt and you add in DJ and even Clint Frazier. So Yankees are obviously the favorite, but everyone's got to stay healthy. And that is the big if. And to your point with staying healthy, I did see that Judge and Stanton did change their off-season workouts. So in the past, they were lifting a lot of weights. I mean, you could see it, like how massive they are. I mean, Stanton's biceps can just like crush a baseball in itself. So they changed from lifting a lot of weights and heavy weights to more, I don't even know, maybe yoga. I don't even know what they changed it to, but I think that'd be better because the problem is when you're lifting all those heavy weights, and lifting weights constantly, you're constantly tearing your muscles. So your muscles are never at like full strength. And then you play a whole baseball game and practice and all that. No wonder why they were getting hurt so often. Now, granted, when Judge got um, hurt his hand that one year when he got hit by a pitch, like that's just part of the game. You can't but like stand with all these like half strains or bicep strains or whatever. That is probably in result to the kind of workouts he's been doing. So hopefully with the change of workouts, they will remain healthy for the most part. Not saying that just because they do that, they're going to be healthy and play a full 162 games. But I'm hoping that it'll help a little bit. I think going to backtrack quickly on some of the points that you guys said. First of all, very happy about Brett Gardner. I'm a huge Brett Gardner guy. I think he is the poster boy for what a classic Yankee represents. He's a clean-shaven guy. He's a vet. He's, he's there to bring it to the locker room when he needs it. And I love Gardner. I think Frazier is the better move, but I like Gardner for what he's going to bring, like you said, Steve. So I'm looking forward to that. Even if it's a one-year deal, it's just going to be nice to see him in a, in a Yankee jersey. Going to Gary Sanchez, Josh. I totally agree. This is a make or break deal for him. You know, I, I haven't really, I haven't been fond of a catcher and this is going back years, but since Jorge Posada, like he was a catcher that I love to watch. And I haven't really had that with Gary Sanchez. He's streaky. Ever since his rookie year, he hasn't been hitting the way fans wanted to. And I don't think the Yankees will be shy to stray away from him if, if he doesn't put up what he needs to this season and I just want to add on his defense has been mediocre to below average his entire career last year he was benched because not only was he hitting below 200 but he was he couldn't he couldn't block a curveball everything was going through his legs and it was terrible and that's why Garrett Cole never pitched to him it was always Kyle Higashioka so hopefully we see his defensive techniques change because it was terrible especially with the moves that the Yankees have been making with this bullpen there there needs to be improvement and the final thing that I wanted to touch upon that you guys discussed with our with our Yankees is the health of our two big batters specifically more with with Stanton you know we we need to see that if we need to make this push the fact that Blake Snell is not with Tampa anymore is huge for us in my opinion he He's someone that when we played them, he was, a, he was a big threat. We couldn't hit off of him. And now that you've chopped off a big piece of your bullpen, Yankees can make that push. 
Orioles aren't really bringing anything. And same with Boston. So I definitely think that this could be it for the Yankees. They got to stay healthy. And, and guys that need to step up, they need to step up. And I, I, I just can't wait for this season. I missed out on baseball a little much last season, so I want to get more into it. And, I, and I'm all in for the Yankees. But aside from our boys, let's, let's look at the big picture here. Last year, Dodgers won it all. They got Mookie Betts. They, they, got some, they got some high hitters. They got some good pitchers. But they're not the team in California that I'm keeping my eye on. And that's the Padres. The moves that this organization has made, looking where they were and looking where they are now, the money that they've spent, I mean, they're, they're showing me that they're a team that saying, hey, here we are, and we're going to make a push, and we're going to show that we run California and not the Dodgers. Steve, what are your uh, – you think the Padres are ready to do it, or did they, did they gamble a little too much for this season? No, I think – I mean, honestly, they take – I mean, it's the guys that they got are proving guys. It's not like they're gambling or risking on some young guys with a lot of potential. I mean, they acquired Yu Darvish, who was a Cy Young finalist with the Cubs last year. You got Blake Snell, who helped lead the race to the World Series last year. And I'm pretty sure he won the 2019 Cy Young, right, in the American League with the race. So, and then you already added him to a pretty solid rotation with Danilson Lamette, who's young and got a lot of... Um, he behind his fastball. Mike Clevenger they acquired last year. He's coming off, uh, I believe, Tommy John too. So he might come midway through the season. So they got guys there. And then Yamachado, you locked up Tatis like we talked about in the previous show. And, and then you still, and then they signed that um their second baseman from uh, was it Japan? They signed a big, big contract too. So, like, they made a lot of moves, spent a lot of money, like you were saying, Castle. And I think they can make a run. I think they are legit. No one should just laugh at them like people used to. And I think they are going to be a threat. I think they're more of a threat to the Dodgers than, say, um, pretty much any other team in the NL. I think they are very dangerous. I still think the Dodgers are the most dangerous team in the National League, but I think the Padres are really making a strong case for them to be considered the favorites to win the NL pennant and play in the World Series in October. Josh, do you feel the same way? You think that Padres can secure the NL, or are you more of, nah, I think the Dodgers are going to go back-to-back? Or is there another team that you think in the NL could make a surprise? That's tough, because... The Dodgers looked just so dominant last year. Um, But I do like the Padres. Another team I am going to throw out, and I hate that I'm going to say it, and it is the Mets. I hate that I had to say it. I'm sorry, guys. But it really looked like the Mets were missing a singular piece, and that was holding them back for so many years. Ahmed Rosario was not the answer, and all Mets fans knew that. Baseball fans knew that. Look at their pitching rotation. It's hard to argue that the Mets are, don't have the best pitching rotation in baseball. DeGrom, Syndergaard comes back this year, Stroman, on top of the other guys that they have. And then you look at their hitters. 
They added Francisco Lindor, who's a top five shortstop. Pete Alonso, who's nasty. And then they have Conforto and other guys like that. They added McCann for catching. It's ridiculous what they have. And I I think the Mets, this could be the year that they represent the NL East. It is a very loaded division, but I think this is the year that they find that they win the NL East and they could make a deep playoff run. They've got the pitching and we know pitching uh, matters in the playoffs. I don't know if I trust their bullpen yet, but the Mets could make a deep run. I agree. And I hate to say it too as a Yankee guy, but the Mets, the Mets to me have shown flashes at points throughout the season that they can make the playoffs. And now with, like you said, the fact that they have Lindor, the fact that they have power hitting like Pete Alonso, who, man, oh man, I, I'm very impressed with Pete Alonso. I, I, he's a fun guy to watch. I wish he was playing for the other team in New York, but that's besides the point. They got Thor returning. They got DeGrom. I, you, you look at a team like Philly – I think if the Mets can get their shit together, they could beat a team like Philly. I think they could beat a team like Washington. So I think we could see a rise from the Mets. I do. Steve, you agree or you think the Mets are still going to have some struggles? I Like you guys have been saying, the moves they made have been brilliant, awesome, really good moves. Lindor, who, like whoever got Lindor was getting a all-star shortstop who could hit for days. He's really good in the field, too. And the Mets got him. And they also got Carrasco to add to that rotation. And then they signed Taiwan Walker. So, I mean, that rotation, like Franz was saying, is just absolutely stacked. Could be – I mean, I, it's definitely top three in the MLB. Could be number one. Because um, then you can argue the Dodgers with Trevor Bauer, Kershaw, and those guys. But then, I mean – James McCann, solid signing. I mean, they really do have moves. It's the thing is, can the coaching and managing, is, is that strong enough to get them to push through a full season to win a lot of games? Can they stay healthy? Because the Mets have a lot of injury, um, too, especially with pitching. Like, we said, you know, Syndergaard is coming off Tommy John, um, and then their guys have been hurt. And then also the AL East, like you guys have been saying, is just so competitive. I mean, we can't forget about the Atlanta Braves either. Acuna, Ozzy Albies, uh, Freddie Freeman. They, they have been, you know, like I think back-to-back AL East champions. So you can't forget about them. And then even the Phillies too. Like the Phillies, you got Harper, Real Muto signed a huge extension. Didi Gregorius re-signed. Pitching, they have Zach Wheeler, so um, Aaron Nola, and then Joe Girardi leading the helm, and then also Miami. Miami made the playoffs last year. So, like, that division is a super competitive division with each team pretty much just getting better. I don't think any of the team in that division necessarily got worse. So, I think on paper, they can make the playoffs and they could possibly make a deep run of the playoffs. I mean, granted they're now, I mean, it feels like a long time, but they're just six years removed from a world series appearance against the Royals. And then they made the wild card the year after that. So it's not like 
they're so removed from the playoffs or even the World Series. I mean, the Yan- the Mets made the World Series just six years ago. The Yankees haven't made the World Series in over 10 years now. So I think on paper and looking at it, the Mets definitely should make the playoffs. We'll see how the season goes, but I think they will be a team that will shock a lot of people. But by the moves they made, it shouldn't be shocking because these are tremendous players that they acquired and tremendous veterans. I like that. It should be shocking because it's the Mets, but not because of the moves they made. I, I completely agree with that. And it'll be, it'll, be, uh, it'll be nice to watch them, some games here and there. Listen, I've been to City Field a bunch. Obviously, I'm a Yankee guy, but I'll occasionally throw on a Mets game just to see how they're doing. I don't ha- have the same hatred for them as I do for the Red Sox. So I'll follow the Mets a little bit, see how they're doing. Listen, at the end of the day, they're a New York team. They're representing Queens. So, you know, got to show them a little love. But we talked about Lindor, one of the big names who the Mets landed. We've talked about Blake Snell going to the Padres. Who else have we seen in the league? Big names, new locations. Who, Josh, who, who else have you seen uh, that's that switched it up in terms of location that either you oh yeah I think that's a good mover wow that was a real stinker um, hard to argue that this was a stinker for this team so I'm going to say Nolan Arenado who's arguably the best short uh, best third baseman in the league uh, he was traded from the Colorado Rockies to the uh, Cardinals I believe right so he's you have Paul Goldschmidt at first base and Nolan Arenado. I know you're a big Goldschmidt fan. You got Goldschmidt and Arenado at the corners. Defensively, two of the best at their in their position. Multiple gold gloves as well as silver sluggers. So you've got the power and you've got the defense. Wow. Watch out for that uh, team. That's going to be fun to watch. As well as their young pitching. So I think... I don't know how deep they'll go, but I think the Cardinals could be a fun team to watch this year with that power and experience along with their young guys mixed in. I don't know why, but I agree with you, Josh. Cardinals, there's always something fun to watch. That's going to be a great infield to follow. Plus bringing back Yadi Molina. That's also a bonus. Gotta love Molina. One of my favorite catchers. The fire, the passion. I I love that guy. Steve. Any, any names that we haven't discussed yet that you think is a big name that could shape up this season, both in a good or bad way? Well, kind of like what I mentioned earlier, Trevor Bauer to the Dodgers. I mean, you're already adding – that, that team is a world, reigning World Series champs, and you add Trevor Bauer, who won the Cy Young Award last year. So we'll see how he does in L.A. Maybe last season. Not that it was a fluke, because he has shown that he can be dominant in this league, but – Maybe he was so good last year, and then he doesn't do as well in L.A., but that will be interesting to see um, Trevor Bauer out in L.A. And then I'm trying to think of any other moves that really, um, you know, and then I guess, I guess I would be interested to see guys like, um, you know, Corey Kluber with the Yankees. Can he rebound? Obviously, he's not going to go back to that Cy Young form. I realize that with age and injuries now. But can he still put up a solid season with the Yankees? I mean, he's got a great team behind him. He doesn't have to be the guy. But can he be a solid 
second man, third man in the rotation. Be really interesting to see. And then kind of like what we discussed earlier, Snell and Darvish, um, how would they do in San Diego? Obviously, Snell did phenomenal in Tampa. Darvish did phenomenal. He kind of rebounded his career in Chicago. Can they keep that? So it's going to be interesting to see uh, a lot of moves with the pitching. Um, a lot of pitchers switch teams. So it, it's really going to be interesting to see how this season plays out with all these new guys. And we should get a full season. So that's also good. And spring training obviously has been underway. So I'm looking forward to the game starting soon and see all these new guys or see these the same guys but new places and how they uh, work out with their team. It is a beautiful thing that spring training has started up again. We'll be getting a full season. All of that's going to be good. A lot of big names and new places, which I like. I think that brings an element to the season that'll get baseball fans even more ready for the season. But we've talked about a lot of these teams who have made these notably big moves, who are in positions to make playoff jumps. But my final point or my final question that I want to ask for you guys is, who is your dark horse team for this season? Who's a team that's flying under the radar that a lot of people think will be swept up by other people in their division, but you guys think that they can pull through and they, and they could still make, make it. And, and Josh, I, I want to ask you first, is there one specific team or even if you got two that, that come to your mind that are dark horse teams? Um, I'm going to give two teams. And I wouldn't really, I don't know if I'd consider one of them a dark horse just because they played well last year. Didn't fare too well in the playoffs though. Um, so I'm going to go with both Chicago teams. The White Sox we saw last year had a very, very good year. Brought in a legendary manager in Tommy Lasorda. And you have such a young, talented team led by Eloy Jimenez and all of those guys. So that's going to be a fun team to watch. You see the legendary coach bringing some of his experience to that team and the young talent that he won't even, he may not even have to do much besides like guide them the, on the right path. That, that's going to be a fun team to watch out for. And then the Cubs, they've had their ups and downs. They have David Ross as a manager. He's a lovable guy. The city of Chicago loves him. They still have Chris Bryant. They have Rizzo. Even though there were trade rumors about them possibly leaving, they still have them. They have Javi Baez. So they've got their core guys from their World Series run. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if this year is their rebound year because they didn't look too hot last year. But with everyone healthy, they have their core guys back. So – both Chicago teams could be on the rise, and Steve may jump to rooting for one of them because I assume both teams will make a playoff run. Listen, I know both playing Chicago both have pinch drives for the last time. I'm not switching from the Yankees. He's not switching from the Yankees. He's not rooting for Chicago. So who's the dark horse team, Steve? So I, I did like, and Castle, we had that MLB assignment for – one of our classes, and I wrote about the Cubs. It was picked. I didn't pick it. It was randomly assigned. Right, Castle? You can back me up on that. I can confirm this. Yes. And writing about that, like, they are – I do see them as um, 
as a dark horse team, even though they won the division last year. But like you know, we we were talking about the moves the Cardinals made. But obviously, I'm going to choose a different team. Um, and I, I actually got two teams in mind, and I got maybe actually not two, maybe just one. I I singled it to one, and I kind of mentioned them earlier. But the Toronto Blue Jays, I think the Blue Jays are a dark horse team because I think they have a really strong lineup from top to bottom. I mean, just those three young guys that they have, like I said, Vlad Jr., Kevon Biggio, Bo Bichette are just phenomenal. And you have them all on the same team. And then you sign George Springer. And then I'm pretty sure they made some moves in the bullpen. I think they got Kirby Yates. If I can just confirm that right now. And, um, yeah, they did sign Kirby Yates, who was has been one of the most dominant like closers. Uh, he had a rough 2020. But 2019, he had 41 saves with San Diego and a 1.19 ERA. In the year before, he wasn't really the closer, but more out of um, relief. And he was 5-3 and three with a 2.14 ERA. So he's shown that he could be a solid reliever and closer in this league. And they still have Hyunjin Ryu, who isn't the best pitcher, but he's a solid pitcher. Um, so I I personally think that Toronto could and and if and they got Marcus Semyon for depth they acquired Stephen Matz, so they really they made a lot of a lot of good moves. They still had um they have Nate Pearson who's like one of the I think might be the number one pitching prospect and maybe even number one prospect in all of baseball. So and that dude's got some serious serious um just stuff he can throw hard he's got some crazy movement so I, I really do think that the blue jays like people should watch out for them and we saw last year the yankees had trouble against the blue jays so and then you add all those other pieces i just mentioned and i i honestly think that they can make the playoffs and be a dark horse for the playoffs and even make a deep run but whether they aren't Ash good this year, for the next couple of years, they're going to be one of the top teams, top teams in the American League, in my opinion. I like both of your picks. We'll start with you, Josh. I especially like the Cubs. Chris Bryant and Rizzo have been players that I've really enjoyed watching. Chris Bryant didn't put up the numbers that I would have liked, but I think if Chicago, can, if the Cubs specifically can get their act together, I think it could work. I do. And Steve, Toronto, I agree. When they got Springer, I know all of us as Yankee fans were definitely conserved by, con, concerned by that. And I think getting guys like Mats and just creates more depth. So that's a team we definitely got to watch out for. And in terms of me, um, my dark horse team also has to do with that MLB assignment that Steve brought up. It's going to be the Oakland A's. I'm not really sure how far they are going to make it, but they did make it to the ALDS last season. They lost out to the Astros, but they got Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, great guys for their infield power hitters that I really think bring, bring a good presence to their team. They got the vet and Elvis. So I, I think they, I think they can get the work going. Will they go as deep as 
the other teams that you guys brought up, I'm not too sure about that. I think the Cubs, the White Sox, Toronto, in their specific situations might have a little more going for them. But I think the A's got a got a good good shot to win it. But we gotta see. It's it's gonna be a great season, as we've mentioned. We're gonna keep covering baseball. This is only the beginning for all you baseball heads. So keep up with that. That's all the time that we have for this episode today. As always, we want to give a shout out to our social media guy, Matt Angler. Always does a great job keeping you guys updated with what you need with content in the world of sports. Speaking of our social media, thank you to all of you who voted on our poll. We officially have a new logo for the 3P Podcast Instagram. We all want to give a shout out to Shane Mogliski, who set that up. Shane, if you're listening, thank you very much. We all appreciate the logo. It's very clean. It's a new look for the 3P Podcast. So keep on the lookout for that. Also, shout out to Wild Chat Sports and all the other podcasts. They're all producing great content. So once you're done with your show, you're going to want to do yourself a favor and go check them out. But that's all the time that we got for this episode today. Next week, we're going to be talking NBA basketball. We're going to be talking what's going on with the All-Star game. NFL free agency is going to be coming up. And we're going to continue rolling out with the hockey and the baseball. So thank you for tuning in, everyone. Stay safe, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you.